Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 5th. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. However, Rob Kendall is on paternity leave. He's uh, slated to come back Monday, I believe. Uh, But in his place today, Tony Kinna is joining me. Thank you, Tony, for coming in today. You can find him on Twitter at TheTonus, and you can find me there at CaseyDaniels317. You can find us both right now on YouTube if you just want to type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. You know what else you can find? Well, if you go to the White House, cocaine. Ah, I love it. Because that was discovered there. Okay, so President Biden and his family were away from the White House on Sunday when the when the cocaine was discovered, it was a, a white, unknown, powdery substance that had to be evaluated and test determined. I don't know what kind of tests they did other than, hey, somebody put this at your ready nose. to say, yeah, huff it and, and see, see if, what happens. See if you wake up a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, Hunter Biden, he was at the White House on Friday before they all went off to Camp David. Uh, He went there with his dad for the second week in a row, keep in mind. And then he did return back to the White House to watch fireworks and also because he heard there was cocaine there. Um, But (laughs) seriously, like, how, how does it get there? How how do they not know it's there? And now they're 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 putting it under further tests. Like, what are they looking for? I don't, <laughs> I don't know to see whose brand it's on. It's like, man, we got to return this to its rightful owner. Right. Um, and they're saying that, okay, Daily Mail is reporting that it was in the West Wing, not in the library. And if it was in the old executive office, it could have been the staff. Well, that's the, that's the point I want to bring into here is that you guys really do not have any idea how much coke a lot of people do in D.C., and uh, especially staffers and interns at the White House and, and individuals that are working for political campaigns. Uh, there's a reason that the Wolf of Wall Street uses it as a joke, and they talk about people being on coke all the time. It's because they are. Um, that started in the 80s. That is something that is a very big hallmark of American institutional power, and that is how many rails of coke you can do before mm-hmm. the 1030 presser. And so when I when I see stories like this, you know, every when you know it's kind of shocked like oh i wonder whose it is and it's like it would be easier to find out whose it couldn't be like really i mean in shorter list really because so many people are doing that all the time in dc by the way on both sides of the aisle because adderall is no longer strong enough for them they need something that can really get them focused and raring to go for the 18 hour days and so that's what they do and that's the god's honest truth and it's it's horrible of course obviously this should of course bring up the light that the white house has security cameras in every single room from several different angles not only for security reasons but for a myriad of other very important governmental reasons and they record and they store their data in high definition we could find out very easily whose cocaine this is but uh and by the way they probably could have that out like now I guarantee you it wouldn't take long to say, hmm, it wasn't on the floor here. It was on the floor here. Let's rewind 15 minutes of video and see who, and was, there. See who was there. It's not difficult, but alas. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that that information, they already have it, but will it be dispersed? No, absolutely not. Yeah. You, have a, you have a better chance of drinking safe tap water in Flint, Michigan than getting this information. And what? It's just going to go away. Like every other scandal. Again, this is like the yeah. people who say there were no scandals during the Obama administration. No, there were. We moved from scandal to scandal. And in Biden's, Biden's administration, I say Biden's with air quotes around it, because, of course, you know, he's not running the show. It's really just scandal to scandal to scandal in real time. And maybe news will cover it. Maybe they won't.
Okay, let's talk about this injunction. A U.S. District Court judge temporarily preventing the White House from meeting with tech companies. There, This is about social media censorship. And they argued that the actions in the past were likely First Amendment violations. And this suit alleges that the White House coerced or significantly encouraged, and that's in air quotes, significantly encouraged tech companies to suppress free speech during COVID and also um, encourage, significantly encouraged social media companies to not only suppress free speech, but in, in some cases to direct speech and to ban those that are promoting you know kinds of things that the government wouldn't want out there this mm-hmm. has been very overtly covered uh, there are a lot of individuals over at Twitter that have exposed a lot of different kinds of emails and things between yep. federal executives and these social media Full platforms Twitter files absolutely yeah and it, it should be said very specifically that that was genuine election interference and likely tipped some of the scales in some states in 2020 that when you want to talk about election front interference that's really your best bet it really is because the government put its entire foot down onto how certain aspects of social media were run. The Biden campaign was reaching out constantly on Twitter, uh, several bureaucratic institutions as well. And yeah, good for this judge. I don't think anyone right, left, center, up, north, south, or down should be able to tell a social media agency what to allow on the platform. Okay, so they're saying that certain cabinet members and even the White House press secretary, they're not allowed to contact social media anymore. And good. yeah, it does include Google, Meta, Twitter. They're all named in the lawsuits. But they do say say there are some exceptions and that might include national security threats or criminal matters on social media. Okay. Oh yeah, like if you're KJP and someone tags you and says, you know, I'm going to do insert violent thing, then yeah, mm-hmm. she should be able to contact them. That's mm-hmm. different than saying like, hey, the Biden administration has this new like study on what is allowed, and so we're going to go ahead and put this here. And if you really want that corporate subsidy next year, and you don't want the House to start that investigation into your affairs of that thing we talked about last week, then maybe you should consider adopting these things. We saw this with the teachers unions and the CDC during COVID when they altered the reopening dates for schools, or the recommended reopening dates from the CDC for schools. So this kind of uh, behind the scenes threatening takes place all the time. And now social medias just aren't allowed to, uh, you know, operate within those means in the open. Okay, but the exceptions include national security threats. Now, who's to say that someone in the Biden administration wouldn't say, well, those were national security threats. Everything we did during COVID, it's because that was a national security threat. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to have to parse. And this is always the reason that these kind, the judicial rulings are a pain because there is no way anymore to write something and say common sense will allow us to understand what that said because the other side immediately is already looking at that and seeing whatever loopholes they can squeeze Mm -hmm. their fat butts through. Yeah, that's Tony Kinnett. He's filling in for Rob Kendall today. It's 12 minutes after 11. It's 93 WIBC. All right, so let's talk about this article that was in the Indy Star. It's actually more of an op-ed. The Attorney General, Todd Rokita, his office releasing that Parents' Bill of Rights. It specifies that parents have a constant constitutional right to direct the upbringing and education of their child in the manner that they see fit. Oh, the horror. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine parents right. raising their kids? How, oh my how God. they want to? The fascism. Yeah. Uh, but this opinion piece in the Indy Star says differently that the rights 
uh, to an independent education must come before parents' needs for control. So there's a few funny things about so this let's article. Put, let's put educate. Yeah. Let's put the teacher's word above the parents. Right. So first of all, I think the funniest thing here is that. Uh, well, actually, the funniest thing is that this is written by an assistant professor who looks exactly like every progressive white woman that you've ever seen. Every single one of them. <laughs> they look the exact same. This is another one. I mean, picture it in your mind out there driving around Indianapolis. You can see her. That assistant professor who's going to lecture you about your parental rights and with her five cats at home. Well, she first, of course, makes it very clear. Kids have a right to an independent education. Now, that doesn't mean they have a right to go to a school that they want or maybe a differing school, maybe a religious school, homeschool. No, she means independent education is in like the school, the public school has a right to operate independent from your home. Meaning that you need to shut up and sit down, parents, because we're the educational experts. Well, right. And therefore, we know what is best. That's what independent means. Independent means you're just in the dependence of the state. Duh. It's, it's but they're the experts, not the parents. It's it's fantastically. They've been doing stupid. it for years. They have the license. And then saying that you know any kind of rights should supersede the rights of a parent. So people ask me often because I, I have a friend inside the Indianapolis Star who feeds me some of their internal data that they do not want me to have, and I can confirm on the air that the Indianapolis Star is at a record low for annual subscriptions. Mm-hmm. People are not subscribing to the Indianapolis Star. Their little strike that their staffers are throwing a fit over because the Indianapolis Star won't pay for my phone plan and their byline strike, which has failed uh, amazingly, things are crashing at the Indy Star. And Gannett is probably going to close it like they closed uh, the Dayton newspaper, the Columbus newspaper. The Daily the, News. Yeah, the, uh, the Minneapolis Star Tribune is in similar trouble. And the reason is because they, they pump out crap like this. They do. When, when you accept op-eds and throw forward stuff like this kind of garbage, and when you do the kind of swill water reporting that a lot of their reporters do, people don't think that you're a reputable publication. The state does not own your children. And by the way, there was a Moms for Liberty chapter that just got in trouble mm-hmm. for saying, hey, you know what? There was also a statist dictator in the 1930s who said that who owns the children controls the, the future. future. This sounds kind of strikingly like someone saying they want to own the children. Hmm. My, how quickly they were proven right in about three days. You tweeted out. When did you do that? Yesterday? Yeah, probably yesterday. Uh, progressives were so distraught that the Museum of the American Revolution was hosting Moms for Liberty that they vandalized the museum. Yeah, they spray painted FU on the Washington crossing the Delaware uh, mural and then also the plaque next to it. And then in true BLM fashion, they broke a window into the building because, you know, that's how you want to prove that you're, you know, sane, rational individuals who aren't fascist do use fascist intimidation tactics. Right. Like vandalizing businesses that associate with people. Nothing more anti-fascist than violent intimidation. Yeah, yeah. You know, defacing the Museum of the American Revolution right before the 4th of, Ju- the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And by the way, these protesters were, were truly just wonderfully horrible people. Was it a big crowd? I mean, there were some sizable groups of protesters there. I mean, they, they said some wonderful things to me. A friend of mine was carrying her uh, infant in her arms and people were shouting out that they both hoped the child was trans and that they would die and oh. that the child would commit suicide. So these are lovely people. I thought being trans was supposed to be a good thing but i mean i you know when you throw it around like an insult kind of sounds like you're saying the quiet part out loud were you speaking at this event no i was covering it i I sat 20 feet away from uh, the stage and listened to a lot of interesting speeches i I actually covered events like the museum getting vandalized Uh, i'm actually releasing a piece later today if not tomorrow about robert f kennedy jr and how he made a very bold-faced lie and a very cowardly one on national news concerning the Moms for Liberty Summit. Okay, so what was your biggest hot take from the event? 
Like, what was the one thing that stood out to you at the Moms for Liberty event? The how the besides hotel, the vandalism, the, the, how the hotel staff treated Moms for Liberty, um, which is is solid gold. So first of all, the, the hotel staff, which is far more diverse than any protester at that any group of protesters at that event, uh, were not only phenomenal in taking care of the venue and taking care of those that were there. Uh, they actually formed a huge line as the conference was ending to thank the Moms for Liberty crew for coming, shaking a lot of hands, uh, making sure that you know it's like oh please come back, we really appreciate the work you're doing. Same with a lot of individuals. The Philadelphia Police Department is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like they are stellar. They did not bat an eyelash. Um, they are a phenomenal crew of individuals. Really, the the political diversity that was also at the event. Uh, people forget there are a lot of uh, a lot of registered Democrats that are also at the Moms for Liberty event mm-hmm. um, who have a lot of varying political views uh, and really genuinely just want to amplify parental rights. Did you feel safe while you were there? No. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let me let me rephrase. While I was in the building, surrounded by three different security companies mm-hmm. and the Philadelphia police, I mm-hmm. felt safe. Okay. I did not feel safe when I was navigating Philadelphia downtown because shocker, Democrat-run downtown areas are absolutely horrible and dangerous. Yeah. It smelled remarkably like the Indianapolis downtown. If you catch my drift. I uh, we 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 got a little lost at one point in my visit to Washington D.C. and Uh-oh. we ended up in Anacostia. Which- oh. Familiar? Yep. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty scary. And I was with some people who were are, you know, can handle themselves. And they were they were like, no, we're out of here. You know, I, I, I this is one of the reasons that I will never, ever, no matter how politically involved I get, move to Washington, D.C. I can't carry. I can't. I like to carry. I like to carry because I like holding the Trump card, knowing that if I had to defend those around me and myself included, I would be able to do so effectively. And I don't like walking around cities in which I do not have my Heckler and Koch VP9 right at my waist. I don't. I, I like having the freedom to defend myself. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's something that I find personally very appealing. It is 19 minutes after 11. That's Tony Kennett. He's filling in for Rob Kendall today. It is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. <music> 22 minutes after 11. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall out on paternity leave. Tony Kinnett's joining us in the studio. Thanks for coming in today, Tony. Um, I don't know if you saw this. This is uh, just something I wanted to mention really quick. What's in a password? You know, you go to work, you got to log in, you got all your passwords. 84% of people have at least one of the following in a password that they currently use. Name of their pet, name of a loved one, a birthday of themselves or a loved one, an anniversary, a favorite color, a favorite movie, a name of a sports team, the word password or a variation of that, or also the name of a character from pop culture. Time to change your password if you're using any single one of these. I mean, I just, I would find it kind of funny how individuals who uh, I guess are supposed to take really good care of their stuff uh, just don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons that there are so many thefts and there are so many uh, victims of fraud and things like that is because people are just careless. And that's really the, the number one marker of someone who's the victim of a crime of theft or uh, or fraud is is carelessness. I mean, you think, think of all the individuals who, who fall prey to those like telemarketing scams and things that tell you they're from the IRS, Microsoft.com. 
And it, it, it really frustrates me. I, I don't have any of these things, at least that I'm looking at here, in any of my passwords. No. Nope. Uh, no, it's it's a pretty complex series. And I don't use the same password for, for every site either. So, well, I don't have time to do that. Okay, well, then, then you're, you're more vulnerable. If you're comfortable with that, then that's your call. They're saying that uh, some people, 17%, are still using a password from when they first learned to use computers. I find that hard to believe, well, though, well, because now they're, okay, you got to have a capital letter, you have to have a character, you have to have a number. And when we first started getting online and using computers, you didn't have to do that. Well, they said some variation, right? Yeah. So, so the catch is, I, uh, there is one password that I use that is a variation that has evolved over time from when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has. it has. It has changed numbers. It has changed certain letters. Certain mm-hmm. things have characters. became characters, things yep. like that. Uh, yet the password has... Uh, kind of kept its roots in a way. <laughs> it's and a derivative. Yeah, so I, I can see that, but that's that's only for, for one service that I use that I'm not too concerned about. I have a very complex alphanumeric password for like my heritage stuff. I'm sure you do. I'm sure I have it's to. It's very complex. I, I, well, I have to because the IT department gets very upset if it's not. <laughs> okay, did you hear about this? Uh, sheets stores? I, I, I don't know if you've uh, heard of a Sheets store. I love Sheets. There, it's, I it's love more of Sheets East, in Pennsylvania. East Coast store. Yeah. Best gas station coffee, period. Really? I'm addicted to it. Oh, yeah. I And it, it's not even like good, quote unquote, coffee. It, it's just, I what don't is know it, why. In a bun pot sitting there on the burner? Basically. It, yeah. But it's, it, there's something about the blend that they get is mm-hmm. the best gas station coffee for me. I, I love it. Every time I go through Pennsylvania, I have to stop. Okay. Well, to celebrate 4th of July, Independence Day, they lowered the price of nearly all of their gasoline in honor of 1776. I heard about this. They charged... Only a dollar seventy-seven per gallon on gasoline. I think the only one it didn't apply to is diesel, and it was it, limited time. It only lasted yesterday. It started at twelve oh one and went all day long, or until the gas stations ran out of gas. Um, but it happened in all of their stores. They have six hundred seventy-five stores across Pennsylvania, Maryland, Ohio, North Carolina, Virginia, and West Virginia. Now. I drove through all of those states with the exception of North Carolina yesterday and I saw Sheets and we had to stop and get gas and Sheets was an option or I think BP might have been the other option. Sure. The line was really super long. Oh yeah, absolutely. To get into the Sheets. So what do you do? Do you wait in that long line or do you just drive across the street and pay three and a half dollars. I mean, I think it's kind of like the Dairy Queen in Greenfield. When, when I drive by, you, you make a judgment. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, it's how kind of wrapped out line? into the road. How quick does it look like it's moving? I'm kind of guessing the, the, the DQ in Greenfield is connected to a Speedway gas station, um, which is really, we know when you get out of town and things start getting connected. And you just kind of, it kind of wraps around into the street a little. You just make a guess because mm-hmm. there's not really a drive-through line. It's, it's just kind of a, a weird snake. Kind of guess. I don't know. So with the sheets, it's like, ah, it's only like, you know, four or five cars. But if it's like wrapped around the block, well, then yeah. no. Like it's Carter's administration. Right. Yeah. You have, I guess you have to, <laughs> you have to determine which is more important to you. You got to make that the actual instant dollar dad in call. your pocket or right? the time that yeah. you'll spend doing it. Okay. Here's one more thing Iceland is the most peaceful country in the world for the 15th straight year. Uh, this is according to a new report from the Institute for Economics and Peace. They released this annual 2023 Global Peace Index. And, of course, they came out with their list of the top 10 countries uh, that are renowned for peace and tranquility. Out of the 163 countries listed, the United States comes in at 
131. So, so uh, not doing so great. I think this is really funny because Iceland has actually only one uh, Icelandic constitutional foreign policy, and that is protecting the fishing rights of its of its borders. It has fought three wars with the United Kingdom, all in like the the second half of the 19, I think like the 1970s, 80s, with the UK over cod fishing. They're called the Cod Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's really funny that they started saying, oh, it's peaceful for 15 years in a row because like 15 years in a row, they were starting to get testy with fishing rights in the UK again. So That's a big problem for them. Gee, it's, it's really nice to not have to have a foreign policy when you know that you're right between three of the five eyes, which US, Canada, UK, New Zealand, and Australia, which is the real secret NATO. Like the rest of NATO, whatever, the real NATO is the five eyes intelligence organization. Yeah, they don't have to do foreign policy when three of those nations are next When they're door. surrounded by yeah. everybody. Okay, so other countries on this list for being peaceful. Denmark, Ireland, New Zealand, Austria, Singapore, Portugal, uh, Slovenia, Japan, and also Switzerland. So other than Slovenia and Switzerland, all of those countries are mm-hmm. bordered regular patrol routes of the U.S. Navy. Every single one of those countries, save for Slovenia and Switzerland, uh-huh. are regularly patrolled by the United States Navy. You're welcome. But yeah, Yes, you're welcome. But yet we're sitting at 131 out of 163. It is 1128. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall's still on paternity leave. I believe he's returning on Monday. But uh, today, Tony Kinnett joins us. Thanks for coming in today, Tony. Absolutely. So the National Education Association uh, recommended that teachers include the book Gender Queer on their summer reading lists. Uh, The book is featured on the NEA's Great Summer Reads for Educators. Now, this list showcases about 11 different books, but uh, Gender Queer is one of them. It's uh, courted a lot of controversy. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, It's been challenged for its depictions and descriptions of different things like um, oral sex as well as discussions on masturbation. Oh, no, this is kind of the interesting thing. You can't just, you know, use the the corporate academic buzzwords when describing genderqueer. I mean, when there are literally scenes depicting the the child fantasizing about giving oral sex to an elderly Greek philosopher, that would be pedophilia. Uh, You can't actually discuss all of the the different instances of showing kids how to use uh, sex toys and encouraging kids to experiment with all kinds of sex. And, and especially experimenting with adults and, and say, oh, well, everyone should be reading this. No, it's a horrible book and it should not be in front of any child at any age of being a minor. But, you know, this is par for the course for Becky Pringle's NEA. It looks like the mm-hmm. conservatives were uh, were right. Oh, these books do contain the exact porn that we warned you about. And they are pushing it on children because this NEA list isn't for adolescents. It's not for older teens in high school. It's just a general general summer reading list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a summer reading list. Why would they put this on the recommended summer reading list? Oh, because that's the thing to do. You yeah. see, we have to promote LGBTQ+. And, and why they say that being LGBTQ+, 2IA8675309, Jenny, I'll call your number, doesn't have anything to do with sex. It isn't anything sexual. It is. Every time you go to a pride parade, the, the sex and the kink is fully on display. And every time you crack open one of these books, the sex and the kink is fully on display. And anytime they go to a rally, the sex and the kink is fully on display. Anytime you look at legislation, the sex and the kink is fully on display. But it's not about the sex and the kink, Casey. No, oh, no. God forbid. It's completely OK as, longer, as long as it's being done under the 
rainbow flag. Oh, yeah. And, and then, of course, you can have those same individuals at the New York City Pride Parade chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, and shouting it over individuals who were trying to change the chant in the middle of that that demonstration. It appears that what the Republicans, and well, not all Republicans, because you know, you know, you have other governors, certainly like Holcomb, who try very as hard as they can, or sue from Carmel, uh, so hard to kind of shy away from this. You know, she's going to go endorse pride events. Mother conservatives are, again, continually trying to warn you as a bipartisan issue, maybe sex isn't for kids, guys. I know bold statements, but yeah, maybe don't give your book a kid about uh, fantasizing about having sex with an old man. That just sounds like common sense parenting to me, but not so common anymore. Uh, Just a reminder for parents to uh, make sure they're aware of what the summer reading list is. Okay, so Zuckerberg's Meta Group, which of course you know owns Facebook, it's got a new app and it's in stores. It's called Threads. Mm, It launches tomorrow or Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't come out till Thursday. And uh, what, it's supposed to take on Twitter? Even though Twitter was going through some changes over the weekend, limiting the number of tweets you could see in a day. So can Zuck beat Twitter? So it's first of all, let's take a look at why Twitter, you know, pulled some of the bonehead moves over the weekend. So Elon got up in front of everyone and said, look, because there's a lot of data skimming and use a lot of other tech corporate words that don't really mean anything. He said, well, we're going to rate limit people on Twitter. So if you are verified. If you pay eight bucks a month, you can read up to uh, 6,000 tweets. Read. And no explanation as to whether that's just scrolling or actually clicking on things. And then if you're not verified and you're just a member, 600 per day. That's quite a difference. Right. And then uh, like 100 a day if you're unverified or 300 a day or something. And then he ended up increasing that after some outrage. And this upset a lot of people because people are saying, why would you want to limit how much people can read on a social media platform? Because the servers are getting overloaded. So that's the catch. So there are two stories as to why this is happening. One individual says that there is a lot of data skimming and it's taking up a lot of bandwidth and they're trying to fix it. Okay. The other is that they had an agreement on contract to host with Google Cloud Hosting and Google servers, and the contract ended, and so they're trying to move Twitter onto different servers as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Whether either of those is true, Twitter is not yet going anywhere, and here's why. Number one, because Twitter is where news breaks. Twitter has replaced corporate media. Just has. Twitter is far more important than a lot of the work that I do on a various number of platforms. I'm not saying that it's where news stays, but it's where news breaks. It just is. Whether you like it or not, Twitter is where news breaks. It, Twitter always has been the app for news but and it updates. Has, it, it has kind of taken over so much that even organization, like no one is going to NPR to find where news breaks. You go to NPR's Twitter account, which no longer exists. Uh, that's kind of the general idea. You go straight to the source. People follow me on Twitter because they get the breaking news mm-hmm. you know, straight from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about Meta is that no one trusts Meta. Sure. Mark is very, very, very open that he censors political topics. Right. He's very, very open about the censorship that he's instituted on Instagram and Facebook. The funny thing is, though, that that has a few asterisks. The reason that Threads is going to fail, just like Mastodon and and the one that Jack created and all of Blue Sky and all the other ones, is because they just can't get the interest from a large enough group of people to go there exclusively, which usually is the upper ended college age range. The second reason it's going to fail is because they're not running in the European Union. So Threads is already not opening in the European Union because of regulatory concerns. So 
almost all of Western Europe is just not going to use your app where everyone's supposed to connect. So it's more than just a corporate policy change. Yeah, the EU's like, we have some regulation concerns. You're not going to be able to moderate. The European Union wants countries to regulate what's on Twitter. And Elon says no, but they still operate there because it's a behemoth and you can't move away from it. Threads is new. They're not even going to be running. It's going to collapse. I would say like CNN Plus probably within the first couple of months. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot like Parler. Well, they're saying, okay, so you can pre-order this now. And if you do, you get a message that says it's expected this Thursday. Okay. And they put the expected in air quotes because... If there's any problems, they can always push it back a few more days. So the, the ending point, as far as Elon's business decisions are concerned, is that does Elon completely know what he's doing with Twitter? Absolutely not. However, once Elon gets his crap together, he's kind of a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And so right now, what we're waiting to do is Elon is aware that people are criticizing it. He obviously isn't sitting there ignoring people. But they're also not turning away. They're not like... Um removing the app. But there's they're also... They're not so upset that they're, I'm never coming here again. Oh, yeah, like Rob Reiner and all the others. No. I'm, not, I'm not gonna use Twitter anymore just gonna, with this. Of course they are. And by the way, the subscription model... about it, but still use it. Yeah, the subscription model is working. I think there should be separate tiers. Mm-hmm. I think there should be an $8 a month option. And then to read it, you know, to read a bunch of tweets or whatever... A, a dollar a month or whatever. Are you or, paying or 50 for cents yours? a month. Are you blue? Uh, I have, so I have two Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one would be mine and one would be the Ministry of Truth. Uh, mine personally, the verification is paid for uh, by my employer because mm-hmm. it's useful to have a journalist whose stories get a, a boost when they release. Number two, the Ministry of Truth is actually paid for by a fan. Oh. There's a fan out in Kansas who pays uh, just as like a like Patreon kind of a thing. Sure. They pay for my Twitter verification. They they love your content so yep. much. They have a little space on my website, on my merchandise That's site. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well, good for you. I pay for mine because uh, unless you pay the $8, you can only put a two-minute video up. And sometimes our videos are much longer than two minutes. Yeah, if I were ever... So I want the space. If I ever were to have a longer form show, mm-hmm. wink, wink, then I would uh, probably end up uploading the entire episodes both to YouTube and mm-hmm. Twitter. And that's that is our commitment, right? Yeah, money out of our own pocket. To Absolutely, make it money out of the guy in Kansas's pocket. <laughs> right. Thanks, John. Appreciate money it. Money out of his pocket. Okay, so Bud Light sales they shrank twenty eight percent this past week, and it was their second worst year over year sales decline since the whole Dylan Mulvaney backlash began. Well, they've doubled down. Have you seen the videos? Yeah. They're, oh, man. Well, they're not apologizing no, either, they're, and they're, they're saying they're going to continue to support the LGBTQ plus organization. So they're they're trying. So there are two social media strategies. Well, excuse me, there are three social media strategies that you can attempt when things hit the fan. Number one, you can apologize, which in this case, Bub Light should have done, and they probably would have gotten a sizable portion of their market back. Number two, you can ignore it and just kind of hope that it goes away someday. A lot of organizations do this. School boards, especially in Indiana, do this, you know, to kind of put a name to the face. And they just ignore it, hoping that it goes away. The third option is to steer into the skid. Now, I actually advise individuals to to do this. So a lot of like Moms for Liberty groups and things, I'm like, Mm -hmm. the last thing you ever want to do is apologize because they won't accept your apology, especially when dealing with the left. To steer into the skid that's already costing them money and then say, we're just going to double down as though mm-hmm. like the LGBTQ community who's already super crunchy and communist is like suddenly going to start drinking Bud Light. It ain't going to happen. Nope. So, I mean, shooting themselves in the foot, reloading and firing again is quite the strategy. I, I really because they, they, they can't win at this point. They really can't. No, unless they come out and say we made a huge colossal mistake. 
And by the way, so it, it, it was it's possible. Gonna, it'll take them a very long time to regain that trust because once once it's gone, it's gone. So I mentioned earlier that the, the carry pistol that I use is made by Heckler & Koch. So I love their business model. I think they make very excellent firearms. They had a lady running their social media who was an idiot who was starting to do stupid woke stuff and they fired her. Mm-hmm. And then after they fired her, they made fun of her and yeah. brought the new social media guy on and had him doing the Jurassic Park gif where it's Jeff Goldblum looking at the big pile of poop. And he's like, we got a lot of work to do. That's a good way to do the model. By the way, their sales went up immediately after they did that. Right now, I saw, while I was in Philadelphia, the oldest pub in the city tear off their Bud Light neon sign while I was there and throw it in the trash. They don't want it? No. People Why would they? Yeah. No, the, the business doesn't want them. They don't want working class men who mm-hmm. just want to be here after a long day, right. which was 90% of their market. 90% of their market was dudes getting off work who just wanted a beer at the end of the day. Tell me what else happened. You said you saw something at the National Constitution oh, Center I love Franklin this so Square. Much. So the National Constitution Center is a beautiful building in Philadelphia uh, that celebrates the greatest document on earth other than the Holy Bible. That is the U.S. Constitution. And they have a, a huge display up. They say, explore our newest galleries, including the 19th Amendment, how mm. women won the vote. So mm-hmm. we're talking about suffrage. Sure. And so they they have Ida B. Wells, uh, who was a, a very big abolitionist, you know, who, who talked a lot about women also getting the vote. I talked about Alice Paul. She's also one of the featured individuals. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, for, for women's suffrage. Uh, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg was was born in 1933. Uh-huh. Women's suffrage huh. passed the Supreme Court in 1919. So great suffragette Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not even a twinkle in her dad's eye. Uh, apparently, great woman suffragette. Excellent stuff. Uh, do, well, it was was it just a display, or were they trying to be historically accurate? It's, it's the whole these are like women who helped. She's like one third of the event. Like she's one third huh. of the of the exhibit, which is hilarious to me. I mean, imagine I. I I don't even have an analogy cooked up for this one yet. She has nothing to do with women's suffrage, and she's taking a third of the exhibit. Yeah. Well, maybe they're just trying to make it more modern, a more modern take. I mean, she did do many things for women's rights, though. I mean, this, so maybe that's their angle. I, I mean, except that, you know, her party it's, held. It's inaccurate. Except that her party held back women's rights for like 50 years. Uh, and the party that she grew up in, not, you know, after all of the, you know, trying to rewrite history with the, the Southern strategy flip of the 60s that wasn't actually a thing. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in her young life, was an active Democrat. So, again, the same party that strove mm-hmm. very firmly to fight uh, you know, against desegregation, to fight against uh, treating women equally in society that fought against the family. Wait, wait, way to go. I mean, yeah, celebrate the work that she did. I, I seriously love it when the left pulls up a puppet. Okay, one last thing I wanted to touch on before we get into a break. There's this woman in Texas. She's 90 years old. She retired from Dillard's after working there for 74 years. Can you imagine working at the same place for 74 years? I really want to ask Pat Sullivan and Denny Smith, who have basically been on the air at WYBC for 70 years, <laughs> about about this one. I mean, Pat Sullivan, it, you know, he's really great at home and garden because I'm pretty sure he was around when gardening was invented. Uh, but aside from aside from that, good for someone who enjoys an environment enough in, right. in which they're willing to put in 70 years. I don't think I would have done that at Dillard's personally. I don't. I don't think so. But. I'm at a place right now where I think that I could work there. For well, the rest you know, of my life. The, one of the only reasons she's leaving is probably because it's closing, brick and mortar. Oh, is it? Well, that's why no. she's not. Oh, no, no I, was but like, I mean, it's probably oh, going to happen retire. at the same time. It's 11:47. It's the Kendall and Casey show. That is Tony Kennett. It's 93 WIBC. 
It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall still on paternity leave and Tony Kinnett is joining us today. What were you talking about? Um, uh, this coming from what, the Associated Press. Iran tried to seize two oil tankers. Yeah, so Iran has been getting frisky mm-hmm. uh, in near the Strait of Hormuz. They're trying yeah. to uh, seize uh, oil tankers. They have tried seizing some from the United States. They've tried seizing them from China, which is also kind of a bad move for uh, Iran. And uh, they fired shots at the tankers and maybe perhaps, at, uh, again, we're still learning information, uh, might have actually been firing shots uh, on uh, U.S. naval vessels as well. But the U.S. Navy is now putting up with more Iranian shenanigans and trying to seize oil vessels uh, near the Strait of Hormuz. I think there's a very simple solution to this, uh, which is just conquer Iran. Uh, really. I, and I really genuinely do think that. I think it needs to be conquered. I think it needs to be made a U.S. territory. They're completely persecuting their women there. And why do I think that it needs to be? And I don't mean conquered and liberated like its own free place. I mean conquered and made a U.S. territory and be renamed Persia. And the reason why is because it's not like Afghanistan and Iraq, which are not necessarily countries. They're very loose associations of individuals. Iran is a lot like Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And so Gulf War Part Two, send everyone in, just take the country. Just take it. Take Take all of the Muhabadin, all that control the country, and just put them all up on their knees, get rid of them, that entire horrible woman-beating organization, remove them, install a new government that we run, and there you go. We'll take Iran. I, that's my honest-to-God answer for the solution. It well, would be we, much better. Russia's, Russia, who we would have worried about getting involved before, they're a little busy at the moment. Yeah, well, with more actions like this, you might have your chance. You never know. It is 11.54. He's Tony Kinnett. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. So, um, some scientists have said that these things, uh, they, they're so intelligent that they could be aliens. Mm-hmm. What am I talking about? Here we go. Octopuses again. Okay, so Tony, last week you weren't here. There was this story about this octopus that was found in the bathroom of a park in Columbus. And then we got on this whole tangent about octopuses. Yeah, how they then, like get out of their tanks at night and go do stuff and get back in their tanks in the morning. Is that what was going on in that bathroom? No, I mean, it, it aquariums all the time. Like that is, they've like security camera footage has recorded octopuses like getting out of their tanks, like walking somewhere and then like walking walking back and getting in their tanks by the morning. Well, somebody told me that I had to do a little bit more research about octopuses because uh, they're affectionate, curious, playful. They feel pain. They get bored. Okay, that was written by someone at PetSmart. I just want to let you know. I was like, they're affectionate and like <laughs> curious. They and like hugs, long walks on the beach. Yeah. And then somebody recommended that I go to Jungle Gyms Market in Cincinnati. I love Jungle Gyms. Have you been there? Oh my gosh, it is a trip. Whenever we get to go to the biggest, it's like seven Walmarts mm-hmm. glued together. Yep. Oh, I love it. And oh, I love it. I love yeah. Jungle Gyms. So we went, we went, stopped, and they were sold out of octopus. They had it going for $8.99 a pound, but they didn't have any left. And now there is the these experts now are mobilizing to oppose plans for the there's this world's first commercial octopus farm. It's a $71 million project that's being planned land and now people are saying no that we need to shut this plant down because it 
these octopus are magnificent creatures and it should be banned. Okay, animals don't have souls. I hate to tell everyone on the air that. I'm so sorry. I, I know that that really upsets people. Animals do not have souls. Even if they can cry, they can whine, they can express uh, hormonal regulatory emotions. Animals don't have souls. I'm sorry. If I want to eat octopus, I will. I'm sorry. I know it walks across the floor. It's not lovable and cuddling and just... <laughs> your animal likes you because you give it food. That mm-hmm. is why. And I, I, I just... This is coming from a lecture I used to give my junior hires. It's the truth. Biologically, animals only appreciate humans when they give them food. There is no other reason for an animal to nuzzle up against you. It just mm-hmm. doesn't have a soul. It's food. Hey, did you hear about this uh, before we get out of here? Overstock is going to change its name. To what? Overstock.com. You've heard of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the American Wish. Yeah. I've heard of them. They're changing their name to Bed Bath & Beyond. They bought the rights. Bed Bath & Beyond went bankrupt, right? Good. I can't wait for Overstock to increase their prices by 300% Overstock.com for no acquired reason. the rights to the company. And now they're going to be Bed Bath & Beyond. Great. Fantastic. Thank you, Tony. You're going to be back on Friday, right? That's right. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Kevin. Good job. And thank you for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow on 93 WIBC.